0: I think you know it's it's easier to see it now. In the in the moment I remember my dad telling me like one day you're gonna have an amazing testimony and I basically was like, I don't want a testimony. <laughs> yeah, right? Like I don't care no. um, I do now, but yes. like in the moment I was like, of I course. would rather not. Yes. <laughs> hey
1: mama, what do you think of when you hear the word success? Fame, status, and fortune? What about rocking your baby to sleep or coaching Little League? advocating for your special needs child or mastering meal planning, maybe going back to school or starting your own business. The truth is success looks different for us all, and it may change depending on the season of life you're in. After finding myself in a dark place, I decided to set an example for my two boys by intentionally choosing what I wanted for my life and seeking it, even if it was scary. And now I'm so excited to bring you stories of other moms who are living out their version of success. I plan to ask these incredible women not only about their journeys, but how they are making it through the madness and the magic that we all know as motherhood. So whether your assistant just brought you a hot espresso or you're rocking your baby on a third cup of reheated coffee, settle in and get ready for some goodness. I'm Shannon Carruthers, and this is the Successful Mama Podcast. Well, hello, Mama. Welcome back. Hello. And I have a great new guest with us this week, as always, and this one is not one you're going to want to miss. Tracy Abney is here with us. She um, is a mom. She is a wife. She is a doula. She is an educator, and she also is an entrepreneur owning an agency called Rocket City Doula. So we're obviously going to get into that and talk about that this episode. We're probably going to talk a little bit on um, chronic health issues and on just the process that comes with being a doula, all of the ins and outs of that if you're not familiar, um, and just her story. So Tracy, welcome to the podcast.
0: I am so excited. Well,
1: we are thrilled to have you. I can't wait to hear all the things about you. So if you want to just get started and tell us a little short version of a little more about you. Sure.
0: Um, So I'm originally from Michigan, but we kind of joke and say that We have been here um, almost our entire lives, because basically my whole entire adult life. We moved um, to Madison in 2004, right after we graduated from college. My husband and I are high school sweethearts. We started dating when I was 15. Oh, wow. Um, And we have four children. We have one that is launching in... Just over a week, a week from tomorrow, we're moving her down to UAB. Oh, my goodness! And we have an upcoming senior, um, so we get to do it all again next year. Wow, <laughs> um, and then we have an eighth grader and a sixth grader. So,
1: so yeah. I'm sure you've heard a few times in your life, Wow, you must have your hands yeah. full!
0: <laughs> yes, and then I always say, Yes, I do. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's <laughs> How observant. <laughs>
1: uh-huh, right, exactly. Like, as if four kids wouldn't be having your hands full. Right. Yeah.
0: And yeah, my children were never the ones that, like, just walked in a little line like ducks. They were more like feral cats. And they were know, just going everywhere. all the places. Yeah. Trying yeah. to keep them in line, some, <laughs> but there was no controlling it. Especially my fourth. Um, my second child, who's my senior, um, used to say that my fourth, her name's Eliza, that there were um, many of her, even though there was just one. <laughs>
1: I think we all have so, those kids. Yes. I have one of those two. I've only got two, but yeah, I definitely yes. have one of those two. Um, oh my goodness. So uh, let's just get started and sure. go back on your, your journey and talk about, you know, where did it all begin? When did you think, sure. did you always know you wanted to be a mom?
0: Um, I always knew I wanted to be a mom, yeah. Um, I actually just watched a video yesterday. My dad posted of me when I was about age six, and I was cooking mud soup, and my dad said, oh, who is that for? And I said, oh, it's for my four children. Um, so from a pretty young age, I knew that not only did I want to be a mom, but I wanted to have a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know fours, you know, for some people, it isn't a lot, but for most of the families yeah. I knew in Michigan, they had one or two children. They didn't have a large family. Um, and it was just me and my brother. Um, and so I knew that I wanted my kids to have more siblings and I kind of just, you know, knew that we wanted that larger family. Um, like I said, I met my husband in high school. We started dating. We knew, uh, when we moved down here in 2004 that we wanted to start having a family right away. We had our first kid, Olivia, um, the one who's launching in 2005, So pretty quickly after we moved here and her birth was sort of what birthed in me um, the passion to be with others and to help others through the process of birth and postpartum. So, wow.
1: Well, why don't you, you know, we're talking on that a little bit, but why don't you just tell our listeners if anyone's not familiar with what is a doula?
0: Yeah. Um, So, I mean, there's the the Google term, I call it, you know, what would pop up if you Googled what is a doula? And it's going to tell you that it's somebody who provides emotional, physical, and educational support throughout pregnancy, labor, birth, and the postpartum period. But that's kind of vague. (laughs) And I sort of tell people one of two things. One is a primary focus of ours is to help reduce fear and instill confidence no matter what stage of parenting you're in. And another would be to imagine it's sort of like a wedding planner, but for birth and postpartum. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of had two two different ways of describing it. But it's somebody who knows birth and postpartum really well, um, we have contacts, connections, we have a network of professionals. Um, it's all about you and your goals, but we help you get in contact and, in um, you know, set you up for success in those goals. Gotcha. That makes yeah. sense. And so... Um,
1: I want to get more into your story, but before I yeah. do, I wanted to ask too, like, we have, I, I know an answer for this for myself, but like we have this healthcare system and, you know, it, it walks us through all these things. Do we really need a doula? What are your, what are your thoughts? On yeah. That?
0: I mean, I can you do it without a doula? Sure. Yeah, um, you can, but there's a lot of stuff in life that you can do alone that are just a little bit better when you have that support system in Absolutely. place. Um, and that's sort of where that doula falls. Like people can have you know, people do give birth without doulas and and go through the postpartum period all the time, um, but those that have doulas tend to find that they enjoy that experience a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I could totally see that. Like having, because I did not have a doula. I kind of looked into it for our second, but um, never really jumped in. But like my sister-in-law was a doula for a while, and I just loved the the idea of someone walking with me. And there's just there's yeah. so much there, and I get why, you know why you would be drawn to that yeah. um but i think that there's also definitely that side of people that are like you know we have health care we have this and that mm-hmm. you don't really need that but when um i know we were talking last week two weeks ago i'm trying to think when this episode will air um with adrian about the fact that like postpartum care is mm-hmm. pretty much non-existent like you show up to your doctor's appointment and they're like right okay Your baby's good. You look good. See you later. later. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. Good luck in all your endeavors. I just, I think it's so um, just important and needed something that we don't know we need to have that person walking beside us, especially first time moms. Yeah. Um, But even not even second, third, fourth time moms, because every time you have a new baby, it's a new experience. Mm -hmm. But just having someone to walk beside you who's been there, done that and can help you through some of those hormonal times? Mm-hmm. Is that on track with what you've seen oh, in your...
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, sometimes the postpartum support people will ask, like, what does it look like practically? Um, and sometimes we say it looks like if you had your mother or mother-in-law... Um, come into your home, but without any of the emotional entanglements that come with those relationships. Even if you have the best relationship with your mom or your mother-in-law, there's always emotional entanglements of some sort. Um, Your doula is that place that you can come to and say, this is really hard, or this is different than I thought it would be. Um, Not to get too much into my story, but for me with my third kid, um, he was our first baby Baby post a lot of losses. And so for me, it was like, we wanted this baby so bad, but this is so hard. And I feel like if I complain or say anything to anyone, that I will be basically thrown back in my face of like, you tried so hard for this baby. Right. Like, why are you complaining? Um, your doula is that person you can say all of those things to. Not only that, but they can maybe help you with some of the things that are really hard um, without judgment. And so yes. you don't feel like you're failing. You feel like it's... It's your postpartum best friend, but even maybe a little different than your best friend. There are still some things that you might keep from your best friend. It's, <laughs> and
1: it's it's not the same kind of relationship. Yeah. And, and this yeah. is what I've talked to my clients about because, you know, I do coaching with moms and we talk about the fact that you have friendships. You may have those close relationships where you can talk about the hard stuff, but it's also a give and take.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And so from a doula perspective, from a coaching perspective, both of them have that where we are there to support you and you you are the priority. Thus, you don't have to give back to us. It's all about you. There's no judgment. And like you said, that relationship entanglement just is not there. It's not an expectation. So I could see how that would be really helpful for new moms. Yeah. So and you said you didn't want to get too much into your story, but that's what we're here for. So
0: (laughs) I should say not yet. I didn't want to jump ahead. (laughs) Let's
1: jump back into your story. Sure. Okay, so you've got one, Olivia's yes. here. So
0: we have Olivia and um, her birth was really, really hard. Um, I, you know, if you're kind of looking at the, the scale of crunchiness, right, like it's a, a spectrum. Okay, wait, and, and have, for moms that are not familiar, yes. go ahead and just tell what crunchy is. So like, is. well, it means something different to everybody. Because that's true. They're, they're, <laughs> that's very true. Um, I never made it all the way to like, the the crunch, you know, 10 on the side. Um but, you know, d- there are some things that would sort of put a um a label some f- some families would use crunchy as a label to let's say um do more natural ingredients, maybe eat organic. These are all things that could be considered yes. crunchy, not the you don't have to do these things to right. be To identify that way Uh, maybe follow attachment parenting or um, you know maybe they give birth without an epidural or unmedicated or they have a home birth Um, you know there's a there's a wide range of what kind of qualifies as crunchy I think that's Um, true for sure but you know kind of on that spectrum and then maybe on the other side of the spectrum is um, the more uh Not just medicalized, but you know, not necessarily as as concerned with um, what goes into our body and on our bodies in terms of um, chemicals or that type of thing. Right. Um, The parenting on that side tends to be a little bit more um, traditional, maybe in some ways, not all. A little bit more scheduled. Um, right. type, that type of um, relationship and neither are right or bad, but um, I went into it, into my parenting, um, fully expecting to have an epidural, had very uh, little ideas and expectations in the way of how we were going to parent, um, certainly didn't intend to be in um the place where I am now. (laughs) Um, And so her birth was really, really rough. I want like it's a super long story. But basically, I walked away from that birth feeling very unsupported, very unheard and felt like everything was happening to me instead of me having a voice in what um, was taking place with my body and my baby. And for me, um, going into this work was never about saving birth or making sure clients birthed a certain way. It was always about making sure that people felt supported and heard and feel like they have a voice in what's happening to them and their babies. Um, anyway, so kind of back to my story, I, I walked away going, well, this could have been better. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like the old infomercial, there's got to be a better way. Yes. <laughs> um, and I was not in a community that had any idea what doulas were or I had no idea what a doula was. I didn't even know the word. Um, Like I said, I was sort of in that more (laughs) traditional community and not um, the crunchy community. And I was talking with my best friend one day and I said, hey, like, I just feel like there needs to be somebody who can just be with people giving birth they can just be there just for them the nurse has their job the doctor has their job there's a place for everybody that works at the hospital right there's no one to just be with the person and the family giving birth and kind of just supporting them specifically right. not health-wise but emotionally yeah um and she said yeah tracy that's a doula and i was like what <laughs> That already <laughs> tell somebody, <me> else, more. <laughs> somebody else thought that was a good idea yes, too tell me more um and so she kind of was the one that that, um, you know, introduced me to what a doula was. And I started to get more involved in the birth community at the time was really small. Um, again, that child is 18. So This was a good bit of time ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really started to get more involved into the birth community and learning more about birth and um, reading everything I could. And I walked into my second birth um, in a much different place with um, a birth plan and um, goals of mine and determined to have a say in what happened to me. Um, and it wasn't that I was going to disagree with with, with what was being offered to right. me by my professionals, but I wanted an opportunity to say yes, let's do that, or no, let's wait, or I have some more questions, right? Yes. Um, and that birth was a completely different experience, and so, I felt really empowered. So,
1: so let me ask you this: Do yeah. you feel like you were more educated the second time around about the birthing process, or just more, I guess, emotionally prepared for? standing up for yourself and being your own advocate? Yeah,
0: I would say both. Um, the first time I, I took a childbirth ed class, I read some books. Um, I just assumed it was going to go smoothly. Right. <laughs> um, I assumed wrongly <laughs> that someone was going to be with me the entire time. I didn't know that the nurse left the room. Gotcha. Um, there was a lot of stuff about birth that wasn't taught in a childbirth ed class about the process of what happens during a hospital birth. Not right. not that it's bad. I just didn't know. Right. Like, I didn't know what protocol was at, at our hospital at the time. Um, and so there were just a lot of gaps, maybe, um, that made for an experience in which I, I didn't love, right? Yeah. Um, so I would say that I definitely was more prepared just by experiencing it the first time. Um, but also, when you're in a community that, constantly talks about birth you hear a lot and you learn a lot so even though it wasn't I didn't I did read a lot more books but it wasn't about like our hospital or our you know our community Um, but when you're involved in that community and you're listening to other people's stories you do pick up, up on a lot of information and so I definitely felt more Prepared in that regard, but I also felt better about my choices. So my first birth was a cesarean, and I I hesitate always to bring it up because I don't want people to assume that the reason that my first birth was traumatic was because of the mode of her delivery. Has nothing to do with the mode of delivery. It has everything to do with how I felt. Right. Um, my second birth, however, was a vaginal delivery. Um, again, that's not what made it beautiful. That's part of what made it beautiful because that was one of my goals. Of course. Um, but that's not what made it beautiful. What made it beautiful was like, I basically went into my doctor's office and I said, okay, if I have to have another cesarean, here are my, my wishes, right? Like I was taking an active role in the preparation of the birth. Yes. Um, that I didn't necessarily take the first time.
1: That makes sense. for um,
0: sure. So yeah. Um, so after that, um, after that birth experience, I was like, Okay, so this is how it could be. And um, this is how things could kind of change. And that's when I started to um, begin my journey to become a doula. At the time, there were Very, very few doula trainings in existence.
1: Yeah, because now like it's a pretty prominent thing. Like you see doula stuff a lot of places. But this was 17 years ago. Yeah, that was not very well known then, I can imagine.
0: Absolutely not. So, um, and back then I started with an organization that took it took about two years to really get my prerequisites under my belt before I even was able to attend a training. Um, and within those few years. Um, I will say we had a miscarriage between our first two kids, even though they are super close together. Um, it's just, yeah, uh, the way things happened. And then after the birth of our second child, um, we had five consecutive losses Mm. and in the middle of those losses is when I was also trying to become a doula. And I found it super hard to navigate kind of the juxtaposition of, wanting to be around pregnancy and birth and all of these things that I was learning but also at the same time not wanting to be around people giving birth. Right. <laughs> um because of my grief and the rawness of the pain at the time.
1: Did you did you feel like you could express that at all or did you feel like you kind of had to keep it down because yeah. of what you were doing? Um
0: I think and again this was a while ago. Um my my third baby, which I'll talk about in a minute, he's, you know, he's 13 and a half and he's in eighth grade. Like this was a while ago. Mm -hmm. Um, there wasn't, I really didn't even know very many people that had had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew them, but they weren't vocal about it. Right. Um, the support that I received was actually mostly online and, um, from like chat groups and, and infertility groups and, um, support groups online. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to, we talked about Adrian, but let's also go back to
1: Allison and that episode, um, where she talked about her own loss. And, and one of the things she said was that she found that support online because everybody doesn't walk down, you know, the aisle at Walmart saying, Hey, I had a loss, like, let's be friends and, and share. Absolutely. So having that online space where you can connect with people who are going through similar things. Um, I mean, it can be, there's a lot of you know is the internet good is social oh, media yeah. good you know there's a lot around that but that would be one way in which i think can be really beneficial
0: it was a lifesaver for me yeah. I, I mean the, it sounds dramatic but it was yeah no i um, can see that for sure i found a community um there that was supportive and you know that even was able to provide information because again this isn't a space that yes we had the internet and all of those things like obviously this is online um but this is also in a space that that like medical journals and things weren't readily available to the public regarding research um it was there but it was convoluted people weren't writing like recaps you know like that information um even though it doesn't seem that long ago it was not as easily accessible Absolutely. As it is now. And so I learned a lot from them because they lived, you know, in all areas of the world and had different, you know, providers who were excelling in different areas of research and and that type of thing. So, yeah, it was a huge, a huge blessing for me. Um, My best friend was another person. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so she was, you know, a, a huge support. But I didn't really know a lot of people in my life who had... Um, publicly shared that they were going through a miscarriage. Um, I became very vocal about it. I started a blog. um, And I would blog about my pain and my loss and and all of those things. It was an outlet for me to kind of express myself. Um, I think one of the hardest things I ever did, though, was attend a birth while I was actively miscarrying. So that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, to this day, still pretty hard to, to think about and remember the place that I was in in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. And as a support person, it's not like you said before, it's not about me, right? Like, and it's fully and 100% about our client. And so I had to, you know, go to the bathroom and deal with my body ridding itself of a pregnancy, and then basically wash my face, right? Like, Wash oh the tears goodness. off my face and turn around and, and go back out and support someone um through, yeah. you know, one of the most transformative days of their lives. Right. So I
1: yeah. can imagine like that had to be so challenging and so challenging is not the right word. Um I mean it is I mean, it but is. It, but, <laughs> but I mean just on a level of awful too, yeah. like how hard that must have been. But I would say on this side of things how do you feel knowing that you made it through that like yeah. does that give
0: you it, yeah I think it it definitely gives me like that like you can you can get through it like there's that saying you've you've survived a hundred percent of your bad days so far mm-hmm. um I can still feel how I felt like I feel it in my gut like I feel it in my chest like I can my body, body remembers yes. you know that feeling um and but on the other side, it also I, – I know how many people my story has impacted over the years, and particularly this summer has been really hard for our agency regarding loss – And I don't know why we've just had a lot of loss this summer. And I am incredibly grateful in some ways that, of course, I would take my baby back any day. Of course. of course. Of course. But that experience, I'm incredibly grateful to be able to pull from an experience that is so incredibly raw and just pull from the empathy in that place where I was to support people as they go through loss themselves um, in a way that not everybody can. And I can not cannot only help clients through that, I can help teach our doulas how to help clients through that too. Right. So it's not even just the the one client. It's me, you know, pouring that information into our doulas who can then also help multiple clients Absolutely. as they walk that road. So. And,
1: and I think, you know, that just feeds into the fact that we talk about on here, there's so much power in your story, mm-hmm. whether you're telling your story on a podcast, whether you're telling your story to a friend or someone you've just met, right. like your story has so much power and so much impact and you don't even think about the struggles that you're going through and how that's going to affect someone else or could affect mm-hmm. someone else in a positive way. So I think that that's really beautiful that you're able to see that 360 from the place that you were to the place you are now and how that can be helpful to others.
0: I think, you know, it's, it's easier to see it now in the, in the moment. I remember my dad telling me like, one day you're going to have an amazing testimony. And I basically was like, I don't want a testimony. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, I don't care. No. <laughs> um I do now but yes. like in the moment I was like of I course. would rather not yes <laughs> I could see that yeah that makes sense so um. um yeah kind of getting back into our story so uh it, my process took me a few years because we were going through loss and it was a little bit slower than maybe most people's journeys to becoming a doula would be um and I officially went to um a doula training and that month um we were doing a bunch of like experimental type of treatment with um, our infertility specialist. And um, the month that I took my in-person training was actually the month that we conceived what I call our keeper baby, which is baby number three. Um, And so that was kind of special. It just was like um, a little bit of confirmation of, I mean, you know, not to say that, Because I signed up, that's why we got pregnant. But it was like that both of those things were meant to be. They weren't, you know, excluded from each other. Um, I did several births while I was pregnant. Um, I got to attend my best friend's birth 10 days before my own baby was born. Oh, wow. Um, so that's always kind of fun, you know. I remember walking in and then being like, which one of you is in labor? <laughs> um, because I was also gigantic because <laughs> I had a lot of fluid. So like she was much further along than me, but
1: whew, yeah, no I'm sick, sitting here so. <laughs> thinking like of me being, you know, that close to delivering. And would I have been able to offer the support <laughs> of like, you know, pushing on back or yes. do it you know bending down yeah. to do the things that needed to be done or well you know. and
0: the funny part is I actually missed the actual birth oh, did you? um I did because she went so fast it was an induction and I came in it was her fourth baby mine gotcha. third and um I came in and, and got her all settled and um you know got her through a bunch of contractions or you know helped her she she really did the work <laughs> Not right. Me. Um. You know, she got through a, a lot of labor, and then I actually had to run and get an ultrasound because again, I was measuring large, so they were monitoring his kidneys and all that stuff. Um. So I had to go run and get an ultrasound in the same building, and so I was like, "I'll be right be back." Right back. <laughs> um. And then she texted me a picture and was like, "Guess who's here?" And I was like, "Ah." Oh, no. So um, I did actually miss the actual birth, but um, the rest of it, I was, you know, my belly and her belly. And it was, I, I mean, it's one of the the sweetest things now. Like, you know, she was one of the first people to meet um, my my youngest. She was at my youngest birth, and I was one of the first people to meet two of her babies. So I love that. Yeah. So cool. So then you have. Yeah. So then I have baby number three, who's is Isaac. Um That that's a whole other podcast, but um, I had a lot of postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD. Um, that wasn't diagnosed till he was about nine months, so it was it was a really rough postpartum period. Um, and he had colic; it was a whole thing, um, a whole not very fun thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, um, we actually got pregnant with Eliza when he was a year old, and um, for whatever reason, and this is something we've talked with my psychiatrist about this. That Sometimes it can happen. It was like a light switch and all of my mental health um, issues like anxiety and OCD just kind of like turned off. Um, And I had a very uneventful pregnancy with her. And um, after she was born, I took maybe another six months off for post uh, for maternity leave. And then really became like began my career as a doula in earnest. So before that, I you know I had some births. Um, I think maybe by the time she was born, I had like maybe fifteen or so. Um, But after I came back from maternity leave when she was born, is really when I sort of started really kicking things into gear and um, seeking out more clients and you know kind of putting my all into it. So so
1: how was that with this time frame when you've got two little babies? which to me means not a lot of sleep and then you know, deliveries tend to happen oftentimes in the nighttime. Night, yeah. yeah. So so tell me about <laughs> yeah. that time frame. And were you very well rested? And no. You're... <laughs>
0: no, especially because Eliza didn't sleep through the night Oh, she, she was didn't. like two and a half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a long time. And she never slept well until oh, she was man. older. So, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, that song that's like young, dumb, and broke. Um, I think I just didn't really realize that I, I mean, I knew I wasn't sleeping. Right. Um, but it's a different level than now. Um, if. If I had that same type of schedule now, it would not go well for me. Um, But at the time, I was re- you know, I was still, I mean, when I had her, I was 29. So, you know, it was st- still pretty young, had a young body, young Just brain. Go, 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 <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but it actually worked out well because my husband's schedule was, even back then, was semi-flexible, Okay. Um, where he could sometimes work from home if needed, even back then. And so sometimes if I had a birth in the middle of the night, I might be back before everyone got up, or I might only be gone for a few hours and my husband could take them to preschool. Um, you know? so it actually worked out really well for our schedule at the time yeah um because it especially if they went in the middle of the night right Right, like right yeah (laughs) um i think the hardest part back then was more so when when birds would take a long time not so much like if they were an average amount and it just happened to me in the middle of the night it was more like the ones that were 48 hours 52 hours and if the 52 hour person is listening they know who they are (laughs) bless your heart bless you (laughs) Um, But, you know, it was more of those labors that were really hard because I would be away from them from a really long time. Um, I I also breastfed for a long time. So, you know, like pumping and all of that jazz and keeping my milk and um, that that was more difficult as they were little, um, you know, that when they, as they got older, obviously that became easier, but just being in the way from a long time for a long time. Yeah. And,
1: and talk to me a little bit about, because you said your, your husband was there to help with all of that. What, what was that like having that support? Because I think a lot of the times it's really easy for us to go, well, she did that. I should be able to do Mm -hmm. that too. Mm -hmm. When maybe we don't have the same support system. So, you know, how, how much was support for you? Um, an impact in the way that you were able to, to do your business at that
0: time? I couldn't have done it. Um, there were two, two people that were really instrumental. One was my husband and the other was my mother-in-law. Um, because my husband also had what we jokingly refer to as the doula version of an engineer job or engineer version of a doula job, either way, um, where you know he travels a lot and we never know how long he's going to be gone or when he's going to be home. Or for sure when he has to leave. Like, it just, it moves all the time. He's not really sure. It could go fast. It could go short. You know, it could go long. It could, you know, get delayed. And so I think some of that provided him some empathy for me of not really ever knowing for sure when I would go or how long I would be there or when I would come home. Right. Um, if he had maybe a little bit more structured travel schedule, maybe he wouldn't have been as understanding. I think he would have. But, you know, there, there's a possibility. I do think having his particular job gave him some understanding. Yeah. Um, that some people don't have. And then my in-laws moved from Michigan about uh maybe two years after my second one was born. And so my mother-in-law would, if my husband was out of town, would, you know, come over if she could um, to watch the kids um, in between other s- types of childcare, yes. Um, my kids' MMO was really vital in supporting. They would let me drop in my kids on days that they were not scheduled to go. Oh wow. Um, for a fee, but like still, yeah. Like, no, but that's but, really helpful. Yeah, they were. It was so helpful. Um, you know, I had friends that would pick them up or drop them off to MMO. Um, and you know, for those moms that are not familiar, yeah. MMO is like mother's, mother's morning, morning out. out. Yeah. Yep. So drop so, them off for like pick nine to one, yeah. you know, sometime in there. Yeah. And you know, they would run and pick them up and then keep them at their house for an hour or two until somebody else could come and get them. Um, so yeah, I definitely, my support network at the time was re- really vital in, in my success. Um, yeah. it would be really difficult to, to do the job of being on call if you don't have that system right. in place.
1: And I think, I just think that that's so important that we put that out there because yeah. so often we see these like, you know, extremely successful women oh, in certain yes. ways, but then we don't, <laughs> yeah. And we're like, well, how can you do it all? But we don't look at the fact that they have all of these people helping right. to allow them to do the things right. they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is just important to remember, like mm-hmm. you can't do it all. No, okay. no, 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 no. So at what point do you switch over and go, okay, I've been a doula for a while now. I think I want to do something a little extra.
0: Yeah. So 2018, I had five births back to back to back to back that were extremely difficult. Um, probably the most traumatic um, births I've witnessed, and not because necessarily um, they were mistreated. It was just really wild circumstances that um, are low in probability. But if you do enough births, these types of things are going to come up. Right. Um, that's why, like a lot of providers who do this every day, like who attend births every day, are going to have a lot more trauma. You know, in terms of witnessing um, things that are really hard. Um, because of just their exposure, right? Yeah. The, the more births you do and the more births you attend. And so I had had five in a row, and I was in a place that um, I was burnt out from being on call all the time. Because the thing is, is when you're a busy solo doula, you are constantly on call, and you either take a break – like tomorrow, because your client just gave birth today, or you have to plan it 10 months in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, And so things were difficult. They were, it was hard to travel. It was hard to make plans. It was hard, like, you know, New Year's Eve, I couldn't have a champagne because I was on call. Like, I didn't want to stay up too late in case my client gave birth. Like, there was a lot of life that I missed out on. I mean, I loved serving my clients. So don't hear me say, yeah, like, of this was not this is not a complaint to those clients in that time. It just being on call that long um, does start to wear on you in some ways. Yeah. And so in 2018, um, after those really hard bursts, I kind of just had a <laughs> come-to-Jesus moment with my business and was like, something's got to change. I don't know what it is, but something has to change. And so I was exploring kind of three um, options. One of them was maybe and and this is just it was such a brief, brief moment um, where a lot of people think that the career to be coming um, after your doula is your ultimate career is to to be a midwife right so um that was sort of ingrained in me for a long time. so I was like, well, do I want to be a midwife? I never thought like I'm gonna be a midwife, but I in that year I sort of explored, do I want to? Is this the next natural progression for yeah. me? And after those really hard births, I decided, no, I didn't want to be the one in charge. (laughs) I didn't want to be the one in charge of um, someone's physical health. And so um, I love the people who are, um, but I didn't want it to be me. And one of my other options was to open another, uh, open an agency. And then the other option was, do I quit altogether? And I knew I didn't want to quit altogether and so, opening the agency um, took me a good bit of time. It took me over a year to kind of I tried to do it on my own for a little bit, and then I eventually sought um, out a business um, coach who specialized in helping people open agencies. Um, and it, so she helped me, you know, kind of get off the ground in terms of the places where I didn't even know where to start, right. and started the process of opening the agency. The agency model for me was really to alleviate. Um, the stress that being on call puts on you um, and hopefully create some sustainability in the career. Most doulas, like lifespans of their career is only two to three years because of how taxing it is. Yeah. Um, and I, it didn't make sense to me that I would pour all of this time and money and years into um, this work only just to walk away because the on-call was too hard right Um, and so that was sort of my purpose in opening the agency was to create sustainability and to also offer clients things that were not available to them because of the solo doula model Um, and in creating that the agency model um, and the way that we do birth support is is drastically different than the way I did it as a solo doula in order to kind of meet those goals of supporting the client more, but also creating sustainability in our doulas and to prevent them hopefully from burning out and to have just kind of better, more well-rested,
1: well-rounded doulas. That's awesome. So how long did that transition? I mean, you're a business owner, so I'm sure you're <laughs> learning constantly because I feel like like yes. once you get one thing under your belt, then it's just something else to yes. learn. Yes, it is. Um, how long... <laughs> Or was there a period where you kind of felt like, okay, like this makes sense. I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right path. Or, or did you question that for a while along the way? Oh, I still
0: occasionally question. Yeah. Doesn't everybody? Yes. And you're like, okay, is this Am really I what I'm supposed to be this doing, doing? this today? <laughs> Yes. I had one of those days the other day. Like, do I really? Yeah. Do, okay. Is this really yes. What I, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Which I think is good. Like, yeah. I think it's healthy Absolutely. to reevaluate what you're doing. Well, like you so. asking
1: about, do I want to be a midwife? Yeah. Well, no, but no. but it's good to ask yourself <laughs> yes. that question and like be sure that this is yes, where you're supposed to be headed. This is what you're supposed to be
0: doing. Um, yeah. So in 2019, I actually before we opened the agency, I actually um played around with the model before officially opening. Um, I had another doula on my team, um, who was actually I was. Her doula for her baby. Um, And she was a doula in our community. And I asked her to kind of join me as um, I sort of played around with this new model. And so we did that for about a year before I officially opened the agency in, in January of twenty twenty. Um so great <laughs> time, time to open a business, yes. by the way. Um, especially when you can't get in a hospital. Uh-huh. Um, but that's okay. And um so like twenty twenty, the entire year I I mean honestly in part of twenty twenty one too. I was you know, I knew it was what I was supposed to be doing. I just wasn't convinced it was going to work, Yeah, if I'm brutally honest. And part of that was circumstances. I just didn't know how we were going to make it be a successful thing beyond just me and the two other doulas that were on my team at the time. Um, and there are always, there are still times when I sit back and think, like you said, like, is this, you know, is this still my goal? Does this still meet my goals? Um, You know, is this still um, where my heart is right now? And those types of things. So, uh, you know, constantly evaluating, it's never in a place where I go, oh, and now I'm done, right? Like, this thing's gonna run itself. No, Um, we're always learning, always changing things, always adding things to hopefully kind of enhance the the, um, interactions with our team. And, you know, just kind of build um, better, and you know, for our clients, yeah, that's our ultimate goal. So yeah, I mean, it's it's never done, right?
1: No, I think that's true. I just was, was curious your take yeah. on it. Um, a- another thing I wanted to get into and just just chat on for a minute. Yeah. So, uh, you and I have a mutual um, <laughs> ailment. Yes. <laughs> Um, and so I saw Tracy had posted something on migraines and I was like, oh, that's me too. Have you tried this? Did you do this? Have you (laughs) tried? She's like, I'm sending her all these messages. Have you done this? Have you done that? What works? What didn't? And so, yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that having these
0: migraines, how severe Uh, is it for you and how is that affecting your day to day? Yeah. So I actually, um, I have had migraine attacks since I was 10 years old. Um, and I've had them pretty I would say infrequently um, throughout my entire you know, childhood. Typically, they were around my cycle um, for a long time until probably the last few years or so, I would get more um, mig- or have more migraine attacks. Um, however, last year, it's almost been a year now. So I used to also train doulas. So I feel like that's an important part of yes. the story that we didn't touch on, but it also kind of works into this particular part because it is something that, um my health required that i step away so um last year in september um i was away at a trainer's training in new york um and not the cool part i mean sorry to anybody that lives there it's just it's not new york city is what i'm trying to say it was out in the con- like a little bit away yes. um and that's important because i was in a teeny tiny hospital um but i had to be taken by ambulance because i had a um, a complex, complex migraine, which mimics a stroke um, in the middle of a trainer's training. And I had to be taken by ambulance um, and spent two days in the hospital there um, with this particular migraine. Um, up until that point, so my kind of my migraine story is also complicated by my POTS story. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's funny. Cause so I don't think I told you this, but no, they thought that I had no. POTS at one point. And, uh,
1: I went through all the testing okay, and all did that. Did you do the tilt table test? I don't remember. Not. I have a terrible memory. Okay. Just FYI. Like, yes. It's awful. So, so I'm
0: scheduled to go up to Vanderbilt in um, three weeks or so to, to have a tilt table test to have the official diagnosis of POTS. Gotcha. Um, but I've also had those symptoms since 2018 as okay, well. And, and I feel so. like POTS is not as common because yeah. I just
1: jumped in like, oh my
0: goodness. I have. Yes. that. Yeah. So yes, POTS is postural orthostatic um, tachycardia syndrome. So essentially like when you're standing, your heart is beating faster. Like, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's been sort of, um, not sort of, it's been a very frustrating year, um, and a half of trying to figure out, um, medications. And I'm sure, you know, with migraine treatment, like you have to fail so many, so many before your insurance will approve other ones and all of that stuff. I just had an incident, um, this past month where I'm now on a monthly injection for preventative um, of migraines and my injection came late. And as I get closer to when my meds are due, I have more migraine attacks. Mm -hmm. So it came late and it was defective. So I went and did (laughs) the injection and all the medicine just like (laughs) fell out. Wow! And so I had to spend in a morning on the phone with the pharmacy and then the manufacturer and then the pharmacy and then the manufacturer and then it took them two Mm. weeks to get a replacement um and so stuff like that that like is just um it not only consumes your health but it also consumes your work day like I'm on the phone for two hours for sure with the pharmacy and I don't know about you but
1: for me I had something similar happen where they um My prior authorization from insurance Mm -hmm. that special piece of paper that says you failed all this other stuff we approved this special medicine for you to take
0: right it had
1: expired oh no (laughs) and the doctor's office had not renewed it and so then the pharmacy had contacted them but they hadn't done anything and so then I had to call the doctor's office then the pharmacy and then this and that and so I'm waiting but like in addition to all the calling my anxiety is just going up 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 because I know the longer that it takes the more
0: migraine you're gonna have exactly (laughs) and
1: so I could just like the level of anxiety on top
0: of all of that is just like immense for me one of my biggest triggers is a lack of sleep and Mm -hmm. so in this job (laughs) Um, a lack of sleep is a given. Yeah. And so there there are some things that we've had to change structurally. I don't attend births as much anymore. I still attend a few um, of my repeat clients. But even then, I can't be on the call schedule alone. Like, we have to have a team in place because gotcha. – um, not only for my benefit, but for our client's benefit. Of course. You know, it, it cannot be, I, can't, I don't want to be like, I can't be trusted. It's not that. <laughs> it's just my health can't be yeah. trusted. Yeah. And so, you know, making sure that we have all of those things covered so that I don't have to figure out who's going if I'm in the middle of a migraine right. attack. Right. Um, so, yeah. So we're, you know, we're at the point now we're still trying new medications. From February to May, um, I had a migraine every day. And, um, I remember telling my therapist towards the end of that time period, um, so I was still having migraine constantly, it was twenty four seven between, between February and May, um, you know, kind of sitting down with my therapist and saying, like, I hate this version of myself, like, I don't like this person, I feel like I've completely lost my identity, um, and not in the same way, like, okay, I used to be a runner, and then I had knee surgery. And now I, you know, I do other activities, it was more like my personality was changing, because I was always sick, I never felt good, I never felt happy, like just in a very, very dark and kind of depressed state of just being constantly in pain, um, and not being able to figure out, you know, how to make it go away and how to function, because functioning with migraine, um, Especially during that time, like, losing my words was a bit... That's still a big thing for me, but during that period of time was really hard. So, like, trying to be on the phone and sell a service um, where you're trying to explain to someone mm-hmm. something that isn't widely known... Yeah. ...and not being able to grasp the words that you really want to grasp um, was extremely frustrating... Yes. ...and disheartening and, um, you know, j- just even... Um, you know, networking with people was hard because I I didn't feel like I could commit to something in case I couldn't show up and right. I didn't want to be unprofessional. Um, So, the, you know, just stuff like that in that time period with my business was super hard, too. And, you know, it's just uh, thankfully when we changed my meds up, um, then the new medication does help. And at least I in between my migraine attacks, I'm mostly headache-free. Um, so there's a more definitive line between migraine and not migraine, which during that time period, it was, like, always mm-hmm. at least a level four. I understand. Oh. Um, So, you know, it, it definitely slowed things down. But my team was so... Um, Is so, not was. They are um, really amazing and understanding. And I'm always very transparent with them as well. Kind of the same thing with my miscarriages. Like, I'm very open. I don't hide things. Because I believe that watching someone else go through something, like you said, you don't know of anybody that had the migraines until you post something. And then they say, oh, me too. That's the only way we know that we're not alone, is if someone says me first. Right. Right like somebody has to be the one that says yep this, this is this is really crappy this is what's happening um for other people to say oh me too right um, and and i have no doubt like moms
1: listening are going oh yeah, yeah. that's me too like yes. I, and that was why i thought it was really important that we at least like bring it up and yeah. say you know it is relevant and so many people struggle with this mm-hmm. and it's so frustrating i mean yes. we could we could talk all day on yeah. this cuz yeah there's so much
0: there. That not following Neurohealth on um, Instagram. It's one of the best resources. I think she's migraine babe on TikTok too. Okay. Um just as a plug for anybody who yeah. is going through that, that has been one of the most helpful resources online that I've found. Um just with, you know, putting a name to some of your symptoms yes. and even things like I will say as kind of a last thing is one of the hardest things I've found has been the stigma of when I tell, or maybe stigma is not the right word, but the thought process that um, when you struggle with a lot of migraine attacks, people think that means you're not doing anything. But I have to do, if I don't do anything when I have a migraine, I will never do anything mm-hmm. um, because they're so frequent. So I, I, I'm i not sitting in bed, all of my migraine attacks. Yep. Some of them, sure. yep. But most of them, I'm working and I'm taking care of children and I am, you know, doing things that have to be done um, because otherwise they
1: wouldn't get done. Exactly. And I was literally while she was sitting and I knew what she was about to say and I'm nodding like, Yes, I I totally understand. And I think, too, it also creates this. It's hard to tell people when you have a chronic illness like that. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say, oh, I'm having a migraine Mm because you say it all the time. Like, so it takes away not that people are even meaning to take away like the severity of it. Right. But when you hear something so much. Right. You know, I I feel like when I say I'm having a migraine, it's just another day. Like, right. It just, you know. And like you said, I have to just work through them. I mean, this morning, got mm-hmm. up, took my medicine because I was right. having, you know, laid there for a little bit. And then you just work through it mm-hmm. and deal with it Yep, because that's, yeah.
0: <laughs> Otherwise, you'd never do anything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So
1: anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to, um, you talked about Instagram. Why mm-hmm. don't you go ahead and just tell everybody will lead
0: into where can they find you if they want to find you online? Yeah. Um, So we have Instagram and we are Rocket City Doulas on Instagram. We also have a separate page for our placenta encapsulation. That way, if you don't like looking at pictures of placentas, (laughs) you don't have to see them on our regular website or our regular Instagram. Um, so we're Huntsville Placenta Encapsulators on, on Instagram as well for encapsulation. Um, but we're also on TikTok, Rocket City Doulas, and on Facebook, Rocket City Doulas as well. Um, and you can also find us at www.rocketcitydoulas.com.
1: I'd say that's pretty easy to remember, mm-hmm. don't you think?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but if not, in case you
1: missed some of those, I will make sure to tag yeah, them um, on sure. our website at SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com. And um, with that, Miss Tracy, I would love to ask you the big question of the podcast. Yeah. What does success mean to you?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, you sent me that question last night and I was thinking about it and trying to formulate like this beautiful answer. Um, but in reality, I think the the best picture that I have of what success means to me is the fact that my children are proud of what I do. I
1: love that answer. Yeah. That's a really good one. Wow. I haven't really thought of that. I mean, like I. Th- yeah. OK, we'll just leave it at that. That's good. <laughs> OK, end of podcast. We're done. You no. Um, OK, so I always use some quick rapid fire sure. questions with yeah. my guests at okay. the end. So the first one is what is your coffee order?
0: Oh, um, I have two. If it's hot, I just want dark roast with a little bit of heavy whipping cream. Okay. If I want cold, it's cold brew with a little heavy whipping cream. Mm -hmm. Pretty easy. Mm -hmm. No sugar? Nope. Mm except if we have I, cappuccinos I mean, I do we dr- do i will drink it yeah yes i mean you're not <laughs> crazy it right, to me, i will drink right it. but that's not usually what i order gotcha
1: mm-hmm. all right um question number two i don't even have my questions in front of me usually i do oh let's see here we go question number two how clean does your house stay on a scale of one to ten? Oh, good
0: lord um well cleanliness and um clutter are two different things yes. for me yes i have- so pretty clean okay. usually, okay. Um, but cluttered. Uh, if the kids are home, it's it's pretty. I try not to anymore. Go behind them and clean up. I try to wait till they go to school and then kind of reset the house, and then it stays clean until they get home. So, gotcha. Yeah, yeah.
1: Depends on the time
0: of day. <laughs> yeah. So on average, what's your number? What do you think? Um, maybe a seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. Number three. What is a book
0: or show you have recently loved? Ooh. Um. So rewatching shows, uh, I-, I found that rewatching shows is like a comfort for me, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, but one of the ones that I just rewatched that I love, I think it's my third time is The Good Place. So um, yes, I just that one's so I love good. the mother fork and shirt balls. Like, that's it's just one of my favorite quotes yep. of all time. It's so funny. So that's one of my favorite. I read a lot of books, but. This, I don't know that I've had a super favorite of those lately. Um, I mean, I like a lot of them, but none of them that, like, stand out to yeah. me. Yeah, so. gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, and
1: last question. What is the most random item you have in your purse right now? Ooh. Um,
0: let's see. I try to keep a pretty tiny purse. Um, I don't feel like it's random. I have cheese in my purse. You have cheese in your <laughs> purse? <laughs> How do you choose a snack? snack. <laughs> Don't that's... you keep cheese in your purse?
1: <laughs> I'm all out. I you never know. No, I'm <laughs> You're
0: going to need some cheese. I love it. Is it like the squeeze cheese? No, or like... it's like the co- It's actually got nuts and fruit on one side. And oh, yeah, the yeah. So you stuck it in before you left. Yeah, I okay. just threw it in there. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> so oh my goodness
1: (laughs) well Tracy this has been great I've enjoyed our conversation Um, thank you for coming on yes thank you for having me and Mama thank you for listening and tuning in we will see you next time on the Successful Mama podcast thanks for tuning in I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Successful Mama podcast for more information head on over to SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com where you can find show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode tap that share button And remember to tag at Successful Mama Podcast. And make sure to go leave a review. It really does help. A special thanks to Will Carruthers. Until next time, remember, Mama, success looks more than one way, and it's up to you to define it.